powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hi. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Please. Please. Thank you. Sit down. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. Yes, I am Derek, and this is another journey into the lives of extraordinary people. I mean every word when I say I'm thrilled that you've given me 30 minutes of your attention, as I am very aware of how precious a commodity time actually is. Before we get started, I want to thank my guest from last week, Jennifer Gable. Her episode was incredibly popular, and I hope she got a lot of new followers. She was great. So welcome to episode 67 We have got an absolutely incredible episode for you today. We have on the show three-time Tony Award winner, Hinton Battle. He has, without question, lived an incredible life, and we are so happy he took the time out of his very busy schedule to talk to us. We cover everything, folks, from how he got into singing and dancing, his remarkable turn as the Scarecrow in The Wiz, Miss Saigon, Tap Dance Kid, and of course, yes, we discuss his role as Sweet the Musical Demon in the pop culture sensation once more with feeling from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So let's not hesitate a second longer. Bring him on out here. Duval Nation, please rise to your feet and welcome to the show all the way from Los Angeles, California, three-time Tony Award winner, actor and choreographer, the legendary Hinton Battle. Hidden, hello, welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How has the weather been out by you today? Oh, it's over 100 degrees today. Hot, but the good thing about it is there is a breeze. So it's not you- quite like a dryer like Vegas, but it's, <laughs> it's a nice breeze. All right. So every journey has a beginning. Where were you originally born? And what was it like to grow up in Washington, D.C.? Well, I was born in Germany, Nuremberg, Germany. My father was in the service 25 years. And then we moved around Germany, Kansas. But when he retired, we settled in Washington, D.C. So basically, my formative years were D.C. So after being in the military with all these different races and cultures, you know, I moved to Washington and it's chocolate city, baby. (laughs) <laughs> Everybody's owning their own homes, their doctors, lawyers. I mean, it was great. I mean, it, I had never seen something like that before. So that's kind of where I grew up in Washington. And then at 13, I moved to New York. So at what age did you decide that you wanted to pursue your chosen career? I, I didn't really decide to choose it. It was chosen for me. My elementary school in Washington, D.C., decided to do the Nutcracker. And when I was, you know, young and we lived in Kansas, I'd have to go and watch my sisters take ballet. So I learned like how to do a part of a ray, how to do an arabesque. You know, these two, two, three little steps are new. 
So the principal would have every class come into the lobby of the building and they would play classical music and she would walk around going dance ballet, dance ballet. So I did my little part of a race step over and over and then, oh, he's talented. Oh my God, he's so talented. So needless to say, the show was a hit. June, we were still doing the Nutcracker. So local ballet school, Jones Hayward Ballet School, very renowned, gave five of us scholarships. And it was my mother's decision. I was not interested. She said, you don't turn down a gift. You accept the gift graciously. So I said, okay, fine. So I accepted the gift. And three years later, after trying to quit every year, the gift turned into a letter from New York City Ballet, School of American Ballet, to study at their summer course. So it wasn't that I was so excited about going to ballet. It was more about getting out of Washington and going to New York. So mm -hmm. I was really hyped about that. Do you have any favorite memories from your time at Jones Haywood? <laughs> uh, they were very tough. These two ladies didn't play. There was We used to call them arsenic and old lace. Uh, Miss Jones would walk around with a cane, a wooden cane uh, that was pointy on the end, and she'd point at you and smack you. And so, no, it was it was kind of scary. And Jones, Miss Jones, would come in and make everything all nice and sweet as you got your ass beat. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you found out you were cast in The Wiz, what were your emotions when you were told you were going to be playing the Scarecrow? I was in the course of the Wiz, the original Scarecrow, who was like a big comedian star at the time, basically walked out after the first act. He was upset about something. Why they came to me, I don't know. But they came to me in the chorus, it was Charlie Blackwell, and said, do you want to go on for the Scarecrow? And I said, I don't know the part, I don't know the role. Are you kidding? What am I? He said, do I look like I'm kidding? So I said, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. So this is something like right out of a movie. Mm -hmm. I'm in the dressing room. One guy's putting on my makeup. Another guy's fixing my wig. Jeffrey Holder's pacing back and forth behind me going, more glitter, darling, more <laughs> glitter. Our stage manager's reading me stage direction. Now, when you say this, you go to the right. Do this, you go to the left. Stephanie Mills is saying, now when I pull my pull your straw, you know it's time for you to speak. You'll be fine. I'm going, oh my God. So I get on stage, don't know the lines, don't know anything. So every time she pulled my straw, I would literally kick myself in the face out of nerves and everything else, fall down a split, roll my head three times, say anything that came out of my mouth, and look at them like, take over fellas because i don't know what i'm doing and then the next day i got a phone call from um 20th century fox was one of the backers at the time asking if i wanted to keep the role and that's how that happened and i said sure i debuted in broadway as a scarecrow at 15 i was 15 by then that's amazing what did you think of michael jackson's uh, take on it well michael jackson he's so brilliant he's you know, Michael Jackson, I love him. 
I, you know, it was, it was different roles, different, different character. I mean, when I did the role, they rewrote it and made him a streetwise kid. And when he did the movie, they rewrote it. But it was good. I mean, you know, we're, we're different kind of dancers and different kind of performers. So mm -hmm. and I thought Michael did a great job. So you've graced both stage and screen. Do you have a personal preference of which one? I like the money of screen. <laughs> <laughs> I walked right into that one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, I, I like them both. I mean, of course, theater is more difficult. There are no takes. There are no takeovers. It's you got to hit it right then and quit it. Um, so that I love that the instant reaction and the audience response. You get into film, you know, there's no audience response. It may, maybe if you're the guys in the crew that are applauding or not applauding, but they're just different. They're so different. And also the technique of performing in the two mediums or three mediums, because television is also different. But I like technique of stuff. I like getting into that, delving into that. So I can't say one was better, but I can say financially. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that being said, you had a brief stint in singing. Tell us about the song. Think we're gonna make it. Think we're gonna make it. I just remember um, the producer of the album coming up to me and saying, "Take some voice lessons and come back to me." But I had never been in the studio. This was a whole new world. I was a ballerina, school of American ballet, walking around like a, you know, like. A, you know, feet turned out and like a penguin so you know mm -hmm. all i knew was ballet all i knew was new york city ballet all i knew was suki shore and all those incredible gloria Garvin performers at that time and being allowed to uh, have seats in the theater all the students so that was it so this was a whole new world broadway agents you know, casting, what are you talking about? Recording studios, I mean, so I, I mean, I loved it. It was like scary, I was really on my own. There really wasn't anybody there managing me and saying, go here, go there. Right. I learned uh, as I went along, got, eventually got an agent, got a pay raise, <laughs> got, that was fun. Learned about photographs and the business and, you know, so it was all just so wonderful, you know. Yeah. Scary, frightening, and wonderful. Why'd you run away? Don't you like my style? Why don't you come and play? I guarantee a great big smile. I come from the imagination and i'm here strictly by your invocation so what do you say why don't we dance a while in 2001 you were cast in what would become probably one of the most popular television episodes of its time once more with feeling from the show buffy the vampire slayer yeah. what do you remember from being cast as sweet the demon uh, what was the production of the episode like? You know, I had never played a role like that before. Um, 
I love playing him with the fingernails and the eyes and, you know, the whole way. And he's a tap dancer and all that sort of stuff. And working with Josh, I mean, it was, it was, um, I didn't think it would turn into this big thing that it did turn into. Right. And I think it was next to the last show. I don't think they were picked up after that or soon, soon after that. But, you know, Sweet was a great character to play. Never done anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was always the good guy, you know, very <laughs> forthright. Uh, you can do this. Come on, you know. And now I'm like killing people, making them dance to this and combust in flames. I loved <laughs> it. It was great. It was great. I had not seen the show in a very long time, and I actually watched it about a week or two ago prior to this interview. And I'm not going to lie, man. You, that role you did was pretty damn impressive. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. I had a lot of fun doing it. I bet you did. Those suits were really nice. I like that. That red, that red suit was really badass. Yeah. So what do you take away from the lasting legacy of that show in pop culture? You just don't know where it's going to go. You just don't know where it's going to end up. You know, mm -hmm. you do it. Yeah. And I didn't know it was going to be such a pop culture phenomenon. And, uh, you know, you have different, you know, Canada, they're doing, you know, that scene from Buffy. They're doing all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, I get calls all the time to go to these, the Comic-Cons and this, you know. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been available to do it. When we told people that you were going to be coming on the show, a lot of fans wrote in. And the one question they all seemed to all have in common was, have you seen the live version they do? I have seen a few. It's fun because they're imitating me, imitating the role. Yeah. Which is interesting. But I guess you have to. And, and some of the makeup is pretty funny. <laughs> like, oh, wow. But, um, you know, it's, it's humbling and it is flattering for people to do that. Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, right? Yes. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break to recognize two friends of the show, and then we'll be right back. May I suggest you be productive during this break by doing some nice big stretches, take three long and measured deep breaths, or simply refresh that drink. See you in a few minutes. Hi, I'm Dietrich. I'm Alex. And I'm Ben. We're from the podcast That Song From That Movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. We want you to join us on our voyage across the cinematic sound waves as we take a deep dive on a new song and movie each week to figure out just what makes them tick. Already we've set sail with Celine Dion on the Titanic, found a friend in Toy Story, and gotten drenched out in the rain with Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Hopefully each breakdown allows us to answer the ultimate question of what's better, the movie or the song. Or at least learn something new along the way. Just like learning that Toy Story 4 is a meaningless cash grab without a soul. You can subscribe right now on all good podcast platforms. If you use one of the bad ones, then that's on you, and we can't be held responsible. Subscribe to that song from that movie. Hi, my name is Michelle Fabre, and you can listen to my latest single, Kick It Up, on Spotify, Apple Music, and all other streaming platforms. I never had a feeling like this before. Tour. And even though you're miles away, I can't wait, I'm gonna see you today. Kick it up, never stop till we get enough. Dancing on the 
Sergio, arriving. Hello, everyone. This is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk? All the time, I can't understand I why. This, this, voice is, this is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are mondo, some are just Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. Welcome back to the Dark Duvall Show. Let's just jump right back into it with the conclusion of our interview with the legendary Hinton Battle. So tell us about your one-man show, Shine. Oh, my God. You've been digging up some stuff. Yeah, I try. I did this show in Chicago. I did it in L.A. I think it was L.A. Uh, Shine was a Shushan guy. And in the show, he took on all these different characters. One was, uh, um, my favorite was this drag queen that he would become. Mm -hmm. And his Shushan boxes became his heels. So he put them on and go prancing around the stage in these shoes. But it was about this guy that just had all these different characters that he would come across you know, in his day of shining shoes on 42nd Street. And uh, HBO actually shot it because I did it for HBO. They picked it up and then they shot it as part of one, you know, they have so many series. Right. Of one of their series. And I, I you know, I don't know if it was ever aired. Quite honestly, <laughs> I don't know. You've obviously choreographed some of the most prolific shows, commercials, and much, much more of that. How challenging is it for you to choreograph a scene? And what do you bring to it in terms of like preparation or anything like that? That's interesting question. I don't, I, I probably one of the choreographers that don't prepare anything. And I walk into the room. I will, first of all, what's most important to me is the talent that I can choose. Mm -hmm. And then once I pick the talent, I can start piecing pieces together. And when I have the music, I can start, but I don't really start putting it uh, really in, in black and white to see until we're in those rehearsals. Mm -hmm. And then I just go, I just go. I, I mean, I'm blessed with the, the talent that I, I don't have to prepare, I guess it's a talent, but uh, I just go and I'm able to, whatever comes in my mind, I'm able to make it happen, mm -hmm. to bring it to forth. So that's been good. I mean, I love the work that I did on um, Idlewild. You know, all of that was like, I think I did maybe a week of pre-production 
-hmm. and then production. And I knew my talent, so I knew what I had to work with. And I wanted to find ways, I knew I wanted to find ways to spotlight the talent. So they weren't just dancing in the background or I wanted a way to make them shine. But it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I rehearsed them very hard. I rehearsed really hard. And I'm glad I did because when we actually got to shoot it, it was three o'clock in the morning after sitting in the set, on the set all day. But these dancers were so prepared that three in the morning, they nailed it, nailed it. And it was more than, you know, it was, they didn't just do it one time, you know, four and five till the sun came up, they were still doing that big number. So, you know, I don't really prepare much. When I did uh, Bolden, same thing. When you watch movies today, or if you even if you do watch movies, things like La La Land or Chicago, do you sit there and critique, or do you or do you sit there and actually like you know admire? Ah, uh, can I be brutally honest? Be my guest. It depends on the show. Hmm. Chicago, I was I thought they did a great job with it. I thought the dancing was great. The dancers were great. Uh, the utilization of lights and going in and out of uh, sequences from real life to dreams, you know, I thought was fantastic. A movie like La La Land for me was difficult because I come from theater background. And I'm thinking, why did you get somebody who could really sing? Or why did you get somebody who could really sing? <laughs> you know, that's what I'm sitting there thinking. So I guess I'm critiquing it. So I have to, I have to go see it a few times. I'm probably going to get bashed for saying that, but I'm just being honest. Yeah, that's all I'm I ever not expect. To say that it wasn't good. It was just you've won three, three Tony Awards, which by the way is amazing. Three Tony Awards for Sophisticated Ladies, Miss Saigon, and the Tap Dance Kid. Take us through the emotions learning that you've been nominated, and what is the first thing that goes through your mind when they announce you as the winner? Oh my God. Well, Miss Saigon was the first one. That was the toughest because there was a lot of rumors and a lot of things that were going down around my nomination and the show that weren't very positive, weren't very nice, quite honestly. So by the time I got to the actual event or the evening, I had I didn't think I was going to win. And I remember Debbie Allen going, did you prepare a speech? And I said, no, I didn't prepare a speech. So we're sitting there and I'm going, oh, well, this is what I'll do. I'll just say my name in my head and, and I'll applaud like you know, I won or something. So when, they, was, when I they were saying my name, I was saying my name in my head. So I didn't hear it. And Debbie's like, get up, get up, get up on, up, go on the stage. I said, what, what do you mean? You won, you won. So I was totally taken aback. I didn't expect it at all. Sounds corny, but it's the truth. I didn't expect it mm -hmm. and was totally unprepared to make a speech. I don't remember what I said. I think <laughs> I probably just mumbled something. Yeah, that's what happened with the tap dance kid. Different situation, tough competition. Oh boy, they're not going to give me two awards. You know, so that was going through my head. Other shows had great talent in them. 
Not that the Miss Saigon wasn't, I mean, not Miss Saigon, Miss Gay Ladies wasn't full of talent, but that's just not where my head was at. Right. But with um, Tap Dance Kid, he's just like, oh, there's no way. And then when they announced it, or she announced it, when it, well, all the people that announced my name were like my favorite. So, you know, I was a little bit more prepared, shocked, but still prepared. It's very humbling when people, your peers say, good job, you did a good job. You know, your work on this is really nice. Obviously, the Tonys are amazing and what have you. And musical theater has just become a global phenomenon. What was your opinion? I have to ask because it's coming up soon. What was your opinion on Hamilton? Did you get a chance to watch that? Yeah, I saw it. I've seen it a couple of times. Uh, I think it's brilliant. I, th I think it's really brilliant that you're able to sit through that show and see no color, see no color at all, and enjoy it and then get into the story. That's not an easy thing to do. Right. You know, but I think Hamilton is brilliant, you know. Mm -hmm. Emmanuel is just, he's the dude, he's, you know. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's knocking him out. As we begin to wind down this interview, I like to ask my favorite question of all time. And the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of Earth? Yeah, I mean, you know, do whatever you like. Whatever those few minutes are, you know, if we're, if we're all going to go, there's no need in hanging on to anything. Hidden, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I have your schedule for doing this. Uh, this Thank has been an absolute delight. Thank you. And just like that, Deval Nation, we come to the end of episode 67. I want to thank Hinton again for taking the time to come on the show to talk about his life and, of course, his absolutely incredible career. You can find a good majority of Hinton's performances on iTunes or wherever you purchase your music. We'll be back before you know it with another fantastic interview. Plus, we have some Derek and Mindy's fun with movies coming out very soon. We saw the new Thor film yesterday, so we cannot wait to tell you what we thought of it. Also, before we close out the show, I want to give a huge shout out to our new listeners in the country of Japan. I love Japan and the Japanese culture. Got to spend seven wonderful days there when I was in the Navy. Uh, I had to have Google Translate help me with this one as I feel I kept messing up the translation and I would never want to insult such amazing people. So here goes. So with that said, have you had a chance to check out our brand new store on TeePublic? We have joined forces with them to bring you amazing Derek Duvall show themed merchandise. We have everything from magnets, stickers and mugs. Head over to DerekDuvallShow.com, click on the banner on the left that says Merch, and you will find a link there that takes you direct to our store. And we want to thank TeePublic for being such great sports and helping us out. On behalf of the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you, be safe, be kind. And regardless of what you're doing right now, take 10 seconds and just do the first dance that comes to your head. It doesn't matter if it's silly or the absolute definition of cool. You'll just feel amazing, I promise. No star, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of the Derek Duval Show.
and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duvall Show.